Today we're going to wrap up our uh, series, This is Love, with Love Makes All Things New. My passage is Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 24. Let me just read the whole passage and we'll jump back into it separately. I think this is New King James. He said, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20, But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, today we conclude this uh, This Is Love series that we started on Easter Sunday with Love Makes All Things New. I'm going to spend most of my time in, in sort of the third section of my message, but I want you to understand this morning, if you get nothing else today, please understand that God does have the power, God does have the ability, and God has the desire to make all things new. Amen? He can and will do that. But there is a process. And there is a process He works through and a process to newness and that new life that we all desire. So I want you to understand that process this morning, and I pray that if you're hung up somewhere in the middle of this thing, that you can sort that out and and move on with where God would want you to go. So again, the process to newness. The first thing you have to do is you have to recognize hopelessness. Verses 17 through 19. Notice what he said again. And notice the bold words. He says, This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. And the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all in cleanness with what? Greediness. So the Apostle Paul is writing to Christians in Ephesus, and he tells them something very important. Basically, if you want to paraphrase the first three verses, he says, quit acting like the Gentiles. Why does he tell them that? He tells them that because now they're Christians, and there should be a difference between the way they live and the way the Gentiles are living. Amen? So I'm here to tell you, and I believe with all my heart, that you cannot come into contact with Jesus Christ and walk away unchanged. You cannot come into contact with Jesus Christ and walk away unchanged. You can't come into contact with Him and, and, and keep doing the things that you're doing. And, and the other thing is, by Christian walk, and you know, I can't turn it on and off. Right? I can't be a Christian at work and then not one at home or vice versa. I can't be one at home and not one at work. I can't flip it on and off like a switch. Right. Amen? Amen? When you come into contact with Jesus and when He, when he changes you, He changes you completely. It's a life-altering decision Amen. that I can't change on or turn on and off or change the flip of a switch. Mm-hmm. You know, we are, we are Christians to the core of our being and it affects everything that you are. So let me say this. I have a problem. I have a big problem <laughs> with churches and preachers who tell you that you can walk down an aisle and you can kneel and pray a prayer and you can get up and go live like hell for the rest of your life. I have a problem with that. I believe that along with the acceptance of Christ, there is a radical change in you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit of God comes to dwell in you and that's going to make some changes. He's going to make some changes. You know, the way I always think about it is it's a new owner, right? There's a new owner of the house. 
And that owner is the Holy Spirit. He will clean it, he will change it, he will make it what it ought to be if I truly accepted Christ and truly surrendered my life to him. So all I'm saying is that a, a true encounter with God will change you to your core. You will be a new person, you will have a new heart, and you will seek a new life. Amen? Amen. Your actions are going to change, your attitudes are going to change, all those things are going to change. And if you have not accepted Christ, understand that it's a hopeless situation. That's what I want you to see this morning. And he, he uses some great phrases and great words, and we don't have time to, to dig into all this. But he tells them again, you can't, you can't walk like the Gentiles anymore. You claim to be a Christian, you know, the, the, the proof's in the pudding, so to speak, right? right. The, there's got to be fruit there. The Holy Spirit's going to produce that fruit, and you, gotta, you can't walk like those guys anymore. And if you notice really what's going on here as he explains this in verses 17, 18, and 19, it's sort of a downward spiral. He talks first about the futility of their mind. That basically means they have no purpose or no aim. They're futile or empty. It's, it's useless, really. The, the, God's desire is that I use my mind to receive revelation from Him, and then I then walk in that, right? That that revelation from Him directs my conduct. So... What's going on here, if it's futility of their minds, is they have all kinds of progress. Man, they're, they're seeing all kinds of things and learning all kinds of things, but those things are useless because it doesn't connect to God and to the revelation that He provides. And He talks about their understanding being darkened. Basically, the idea is they're no longer capable of understanding spiritual things. Their understanding has been darkened. They're alienated from the life of God, He says. Literally, it means at a great distance from God. At a great distance from God. You see, because they willfully rejected Him, then they are at a great distance from Him. So basically what Paul does with these words, and again, there's some great phrases we don't have time to get into, but basically what he does is he paints a picture of someone who is numb. They're insensitive. They're just sort of going through the motions. They're living a life without personal standards. They're living a life without personal sanctions. And they have one goal. And that one goal is to practice every kind of impurity and sin they can find with a lust for more. I don't know about you, but I lived there for a long time. That, that's where I was living. You're never satisfied, it's never enough, and you have an enormous appetite for more. So what gets going is a, is a cycle. We, they, these people, the Gentiles, the people who are here, what happens is they sin. Well, that sin didn't bring satisfaction, so what do they do next? They go to a bigger sin. That doesn't bring satisfaction, so they go to what? Then another sin. And this is a constant progression further and further into sin, further and further away from God and dealing with bigger and bigger and bigger issues. What are they looking for? They're looking for satisfaction. They're looking for fulfillment. But I want you to understand that this cycle right here is hopeless. You will never find satisfaction in that cycle. You will never find fulfillment in that cycle. It is a hopeless path. Where do you end up? You end up farther away from God than you ever wanted to be. You end up buried in sins that you never wanted to experience. So, if you're listening to me this morning and you identify with some of this, I pray your eyes are open. I pray you recognize where you are on this path. But I want you, more, more than anything, I want you to understand that satisfaction and fulfillment and purpose and meaning, all those things that you're looking for, is only found in one place. In a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because only the one who created you and who knows you intimately can fulfill that in you. Amen? Amen? So if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian and you find yourself here, let me just tell you that you've got to stop. You've got to stop. 
If it's something you're chasing after, if you're living in sin, chasing after something, looking for satisfaction and fulfillment, whatever it is, you've got to stop. You've got to stop that old man from reigning in your life. Because we're going to see in a few minutes, he, he don't really have power anyway if you're in Christ. He's dead. You've got to stop him from reigning. You've got to confess that thing. You've got to repent, as we talked about last week, which means what? Or two weeks ago. To go the other direction. doesn't mean to say, hey God, I'm sorry and keep doing the same thing. It means I, I repent. True repentance means that I confess it to God. I, I agree with God about my sin and I turn and I go the opposite direction. And then you, and you get back on track. Amen? Number two, you've got to receive truth. Verses 20 through 21. He's talking about again about the walk of the Gentiles. He says, but you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. So basically, verses 17 through 19, as we just read, we talked about the walk of the Gentiles, those without Christ. He says, but you have not so learned Christ. More accurately translated, he says this, not so for you, you have learned Christ. What's he saying? He said, you can't walk that way if you know Christ because Christ will lead you a different way. He's not going to take you down the path of the Gentiles. He's not going to take you down the path of sin and lust, where that, all that leads you. He's going to take you down a different path. So you haven't learned that from Christ is basically what he's saying, right? right. So if you're here today, and, and, and again, you have no relationship with Christ, I pray you make that decision today and start living for him. But again, as I, as I said a while ago when I was sharing, it goes much deeper than just knowing him with my head. It goes much deeper than just knowing him. This really pertains to living. I, I'm making them, so if, I, if, I, if you come up this morning at the conclusion of the service and you pray to receive Christ, what happens? You're changed. So we come up and we, we pray a prayer again. There ain't no certain formula, no certain words. It's just, you know, I think there's three three key components. Number one, admit. It's ABC. See, this way I've ever learned it. Admit you're a sinner. Again, agree with God about who you are and what's going on in your life. B, believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is God's son, that he did die for your sins, all those great things. And then C is commit. Commit my life to him. It's really that simple. ABC it. Admit, believe, and commit. We make it so complicated. Yes. It's not complicated. <laughs> but if you come up this morning at the end of the service and you do that, you receive Him as your Lord. That's a one-time decision. He is your Savior. You receive Him as your Savior. That's a one-time decision. But the reality is, it's a day-to-day decision too. Yes. Because there's the, the decision today to receive Him as my Savior and, and receive forgiveness for my sins, but I must decide every day of my life to let Him be Lord. I must surrender whatever it is that He desires for me to surrender to Him. So He's Savior, I guess you could say it like this, He's Savior one time, but He's Lord every day. Does that make sense? There's a one-time submission to Him as my Savior. A, a daily, hourly, minute by minute, really a second by second decision for him to be Lord of my life and to surrender and walk with him. So here's what I want you to see this morning. that When you pray that prayer, that ABC prayer, that very simple, and you accept Jesus Christ, it's like hitting a reset button. It's like resetting your life. Everything is going to change. There's going to be an awareness of sin and bad things in your life that you never saw before. I guarantee it. <laughs> Immediately. You're going to start seeing things that you never recognized before. There's going to be a boldness that you never had before. Because I believe one of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit within you is a boldness that only He can provide. 
There's going to be a, an awareness. There's going to be a boldness. There's going to be a different perspective. I'm going to see things as I never saw them before. And, and the list goes on and on and on. But all, again, what I want you to see is that when I accept Christ, there's a new owner. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And I'm going to start making decisions. I'm going to start uh, forming opinions and guiding my lives by a new standard. No longer going the old way. I'm not going the way the Gentiles go. And all those things he talked about in verses 17, 18, and 19. It's now a new standard. There's a, there's a new ruler. right? There's a new boss. And it's Jesus. He is the standard. And all those things we read about in verses 17, 18, and 19, they're all reversed. My mind's no longer darkened. I can hear God. I can hear revelation from Him. Amen? I'm no longer alienated at a distance from God because of the sacrifice of Christ I'm brought back. My heart's no longer hard. My heart's no longer impure. The Bible says He takes my heart of stone and He gives me a heart of flesh. No longer taking my cues from the world. No longer taking direction from what I see on Facebook or YouTube or the television. I'm no longer letting those at work or at school influence me to do things they shouldn't. No longer taking guidance from what I see in the culture. I'm now listening and being governed by a new master, and that is Jesus Christ. Can I say this? I didn't, I didn't plan on going here, but uh, I feel like I need to. I think the problem that the church, that the, those outside the church have with the church is when they look at us, they see no difference between us and everybody else. Amen. We're walking like the Gentiles. Yes. And I'm telling you that they should see a difference. Yes. If we claim to be filled by the Holy Spirit, if we claim to be children of God, if we claim to have salvation through Jesus Christ, there should be a difference. When they look at us, we should look different than everything else in the world. Yes. Amen? Amen? It's time that we start acting that, living that, and behaving like that. Look at this verse. John 14, 6. Many of you can quote. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through who? Me. Man, I don't know about you, but if He is the way, and I believe He is. I believe He's the only way. And if He's the only way, then I want to follow Him as close as I can. <coughs> I want to look as much like him as I can. I want to walk right by his side all the time. And I can't do that if I'm living like the Gentiles. The last thing I want you to see is you've got to redress yourself. Verses 22 through 24. Look what it says. Notice the underlying words. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. As we, as we begin this process of being made new, there's, there's really three things we have to do, three lessons in all right here. And I'm going to go through them pretty quick. Notice, that first off, he says that you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man that grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. Who's the, who's the old man? The old man is me before Christ. The old man is the sinful man, the, the flesh. And he says, you've got you to put it off. I put it off how? I put it off through accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior. Why do I need to put him off? I need to put him off because he's corrupted by sin. That passage we've just read said he's driven by deceitful desires. He's driven by deceitful lust. 
So how do I do that? How do I put him off? Let me give you a few things. First off is, is how do I do that in practice? In practice, I put him off by reckoning him dead. The Bible says he's dead. The Bible says that if I am in Christ, that old man is dead. What's that mean? That means if he's dead, he has no voice. If he's dead, he has no control. If he's dead, he has no influence in my life because he's dead. Amen? And then I, I got to reckon him dead in position. You see, we have, we have put off the old man once and for all. The Bible says he's gone. It's not a wrestling match every day. He's dead. Let me share a passage with you. Romans 6, uh, verses, this is 6, 5 through 11, I believe, yeah. Romans 6, 5 through 11. He says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, that's Jesus, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that our old man, notice, was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Next slide. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. And the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, notice this last phrase, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You say, Pastor, how do I put off the old man? Let me, let me make it as simple as I can make it. If it's a desire that comes to you, if it's an opportunity that comes before you, whatever it is, if there's a decision to be made, it's very simple. You just ask yourself the question, does this line up with Jesus? Does this thought that just hit my mind, does it line up with what God's Word says? You know, whatever. Whatever, uh, you know, this opportunity before me, is this something that Jesus would do? You know, is it reflective of His nature? Because, listen, God's not going to ever lead you to do something that contradicts what He's already said. He's not going to contradict his word. So that's, that's, the, that's the test. If it doesn't line up with Jesus, then the answer is no. It's really that simple. The next thing he says is be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Again, when we receive Christ, our mind is no longer futile or darkened or ignorant. It has the ability to receive revelation. Again, the idea here is an about face, just like that repentance. It's an about face going the opposite direction. Before, my mind is, before Christ, our mind is full of mental impurity. But when I receive Christ, there's a change and I turn from, away from the mental impurity and I turn to, he says that it is righteousness and holiness. We'll get back to that in a second. That's what he says. That's what defines it. It's righteousness and holiness. You've got to renew your mind. Classic passage, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. That's what it's all about. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I've, I've, I've shared that passage many times and told you about that great word in there where we get our English word metamorphosis. But the picture is, is, a, is a caterpillar that crawls into a cocoon and with no outward focus, with nothing else done, from that same cocoon emerges a butterfly. And that's the picture of what God wants to do in your mind. He wants to take your mind and turn it from this ugly, hairy little caterpillar into this beautiful butterfly that reflects His righteousness and holiness. I mean, that's the picture. That is the Word. It's a change from the inside out. The renewing of our minds. That's why it's imperative that you're involved in all the good things you should be. That's why it's imperative that you have your personal devotions. That's why it's imperative that you, that you spend time in worship on, on a weekly basis. It's, that's why it's imperative that you're involved in a small group. That's why it's imperative that you spend time in prayer. It's not to give God a wish list of all these things I want, God, but it's a conversation. Right. And when I, when I have my personal devotion and when I spend time in prayer and stop and listen, yeah. God will say, hey, you didn't take care of this. Hey, this thing right here, 
you need to fix this. Or, hey, you said this the other day, and you need to go make it right. Yes. Renewing of my mind. It's a process. And if I don't spend time in the Word, if I don't spend time in prayer, if, again, if I'm not involved in the small groups and all those things, if I'm not involved in those avenues, God can't do the transformation. It's through those avenues that our mind is transformed from the inside out. Okay, and can I just say this too while I'm talking about prayer? You see, some of us have the idea of this. Let's pretend this microphone stand is God. Some of us think prayer is all about this. And bringing God over here to where I want Him to be. Right. And getting God on my side and say, okay God, I want to go here. I know this is really where you want me to go, but let's go anyway. And it's all about pulling God over here, right? The reality is, prayer is this. It's moving me. And aligning me with what God wants. Aligning me with yes. the Word. Aligning me with the Father's will. Aligning me with His heart. It's not about bending Him to my agenda, but it's about me moving to His agenda and accomplishing His will and purpose. Amen? Amen. Amen. i got, I got to keep going. Lastly, he says, put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So if the old man was me before Jesus, then who's the new man? Start rocket science, y'all. Right? <laughs> if the old man was me before Jesus, the new man is me after Jesus. Right? And he says, put on this new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. It's the new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, <laughs> one of my favorite verses, puts it this way. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become what? New. I love that passage. There's a, there's a great debate you know, I love how the church spends all our time fighting about things they don't need to be fighting about. But there's a great debate in the church about sanctification, right? Which is basically this process that we were talking about this morning. From the old man to the new man and everything in between. And, and there's this debate about, hey, is it an instant thing or is it an ongoing process? I think it's both. That's where this, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Yes, positionally they are gone. And I can tell you that there are some things that will, boom, instantly it's gone. It's never an issue again. But I can tell you there's some other things that's going to take some time. Yes. <laughs> and it, it's, again, it goes back to that devotion and prayer. And right. God saying, hey, you need to take care of this. Right. And over time, He works those things out and they do become new. Positionally, they're already new. I'm already all that I'm ever going to be positionally in Christ. But I have to work that out. He says, work out what? Your own salvation. That's what it all comes down to. So let me get back on track. The old man, the me. If I'm in Christ, he is dead. This new man is created in the likeness of God. And he manifests himself. He uses two words to describe him. Righteousness and holiness. Righteousness and holiness. Now, can I tell you that that's just completely different than what I read in verses 17 through 19? It's a completely different nature. Completely different character. So righteousness is what? My right conduct with others. How I treat other people. My walk here on earth. And then holiness is, is reverence before God. So you can really take this the same way we sort of do the cross. There's the horizontal relationship with other men and women. And then there's the vertical relationship with God. And basically the picture is this. They're both right. It's right on both planes because you've been reconciled in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So here's what's cool. If you read through that passage, those, those three phrases that I underlined. Put off. What was the other one? Anybody remember those ones? Be renewed and put on. Those look like commands, don't they? 
it looks like he's saying, hey, you got to do this. This is the action, right? Put it off, be renewed, and put it on. But can I just tell you that in, in, the, in the original language, there's no imperatives at all. They're not commands. You say, what, what are you talking about? Why does that matter? Well, here's the deal. They're not commands. They are facts. There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference from being told to put it off from the, and the, from the other's perspective already being put off. It's a reality. It's a fact. So that's really what he's saying. The fact is, if you are in Christ, you have put off the old man. He's dead. The fact is, if you are in Christ, you are being renewed. And the pace that that's happened is all dependent on you and your obedience. And then, the, again, the fact is, if you're in Christ, you have put on the new man. Amen? Amen? You can no longer live as the Gentiles live. Let me share one more passage with you. Romans 6. Back to Romans 6, verses 1 through 4. Notice what it says. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in what? Newness of life. That's an awesome passage. So let me recap this whole thing. And we'll focus on those facts there in the last passage. Next slide. So the first thing he says, put off. You've got to refuse to let the old man have influence. You've got to refuse to let him have a voice. Why? Because he is dead. He is dead. He's dead. I've never met a dead man who could speak. Have you? Never met a dead man who had any influence. Have you? He's dead. You've got to put him off. So if, if you're here today and you've been searching for satisfaction and fulfillment and purpose and meaning in all those wrong places, understand that path is hopeless. You will never find it outside of Jesus Christ. He's the only place that's found. If you've hit if you've hit reset, that's the first step. Number two, he says be renewed. As we surrender and spend time in the word, prayer, etc., he changes our mind and we align ourselves with him. You see, this is where most of us disconnect. You see, we'll go down in front of a church and we'll pray a prayer and we'll pray and give God our life, but we, here's where the disconnect comes in. Because that's all we ever do a lot of times. And we don't, we don't spend time in the Word. We don't spend time in prayer. We, we fall by the wayside and then we wonder what's wrong with us. Here's what's wrong with us. We never continue through this process of being renewed. And it is a process. He transforms us from the inside out. Through, again, through the Word, through prayer, small groups, etc. So here's, here's my question for you this morning. If you're here and you're a Christian, my question is this. What area or issue has he been trying to renew that you won't surrender because he's not going to take it from you. You've got to lay it down. You've got to surrender. We sang about surrender this morning. That, that's your part of the process. Is there some area of your life? Again, we're, we're bad to compartmentalize things, man, and say, God, okay, you can have all this, but, you know, my business, my work life, whatever, it, it's off limits. Amen? So what area have you, has he been trying to renew that you won't surrender? And I pray that today you surrender and you find freedom in that issue. Then number three, put on. Put on the new man. 
That renewal leads to a change or a new life. As by faith we appropriate all that we are and possess in Jesus Christ. That that we live and walk in our identity in Christ. By faith I have to appropriate all that I possess in Him. Amen? And those two things in that passage are what? Righteousness and holiness. It's not about a religious checklist. I'm not telling you you've got to do all those things that we talked about just, just to get them on a checklist and say, okay, I did my duty to God today. That's not the way it works. It's not a checklist. It's a relationship. And when I am made new, when I am remade in the likeness of Christ, I possess righteousness and holiness. I have all that I need. In Christ, there is everything that I need to live as He's called me to live. So putting on. Here's my question. What area? What area? Is God calling you to step out into? What area is has He's been calling you to grow in? What area has He been pointing to you and say, "Hey, you need to take care of this. You need to grow right here. You know, you are this. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm real bad to. I know what I, who I am in Christ. I know that in my head, but sometimes there's a disconnect between that and where I'm walking. Maybe He showed you something this morning or this week, or or He's been showing you some area where. You need, to, you need to line the two things up. Say, hey, you need, to, you need to grow right here. You need to take care of this. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to ask Andy if he would to make his way up. Stand to your feet if you don't mind, please. Let me, let me point out the three things. Number one is put off. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. Understand, man, the first step to all this is receiving Christ. Receiving Him as your Savior. And saying yes to Him and to forgiveness and to all that that involves. But number more than that, I wonder if you're a Christian here. Where in your life are you living by the old man? Where is the old man reigning in your life? Is there some area or some sin he's, he's dragging you off? You're letting him drag you off into because he has no power. He's dead. So I pray that today you would just deal with that, man. Just confess it, find freedom in it, be done with it, and walk away from it. Number two, be renewed. What is it that he's been calling you to surrender over and over and over that you're not letting go of? I pray that today you surrender that thing. Whatever it is, you lay it down and say, okay, God, here it is. Then lastly, it was put on. What area is he calling you to step into? What area of your life is he wanting to produce growth and make you that beautiful creation that he desires to be that, that, that you're not there yet? What is it you need to let go of? So Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this passage, God, an awesome truth of who we are in you. And I thank you. Father, I thank you that you don't leave us the way that we are, but God, you save us and you empower us to walk out our salvation and to become more like you. So God, and God, I just pray that you'll be with us right now. And if, Lord, if there's any here who are letting the old man rule, that they would just determine this morning to be done with those things and get back on track. God, if there's any here who are not doing what they need to be renewed, God, I pray they would just commit themselves to do those things. God, to spend time in prayer, to spend time in your in your word, to spend time in groups, and, and God, however, 
they need to. God, they would just release that thing they're holding on to. Unless you make that area new. And God, I pray you just help us to put on Christ. God, you would help us to understand who we are in you and, and walk in that identity to, to, to just live and function in righteousness and holiness. God, as we reflect you to all those around us. And God, I pray that when the world looks at this church, that they see a difference. And they see a reflection of you. God, just have your will and way during this time of response and invitation. In Jesus' name we pray that everyone said, Amen. Let's be obedient to the Lord.